Amen. So today um, we are still actually in uh, celebration mode, believe it or not. Okay, so we are still in the nativity period. Um, we want to hold on to the Christmas season as much as we can. So the church tells us um, that we are celebrating from the Feast of Nativity until actually tomorrow, the Feast of Circumcision. Um, so we're still in a, kind of like a festive mood. If you've noticed like the hymns and everything like that, you, you kind of sense that a lot of the stuff that we were saying on Christmas night, we're saying here today as well. And then uh, we get to today's reading. Okay, and if you remember, on Christmas night, we read from the same chapter of St. Matthew. So Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And today's just kind of the continuation from verse 13. Where we left off on Christmas night was uh, basically the Magi visiting Jesus. And they are being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. So they go another way. Uh, And then we pick up verse 13. And to be honest, um, this reading on the surface... If you're going to compare it to Christmas night, and I'm saying we're kind of in the Christmas spirit still, um, it's kind of a letdown. Uh, Christmas night, we talked a lot about, like, like obviously, like the Savior is born, a light has shone in darkness, all these great things. And we see, like, God's victory. And in our minds, God's victory is near. God's victory has arrived. Everything looks fantastic. <clears throat> and then today, we get to today's reading, and we read about two things. The Savior... The one who's supposed to save the light in the midst of darkness is running for his life. And innocent children are dying. You have Jesus running for his life with the Holy Family, with St. Mary and St. Joseph. And you have innocent children dying. And Christmas night, it's glorious. It's amazing. Look what God is doing. And then we come to today's reading. If there was ever like a disconnect and like the themes of the church or the theme, like something just seems off today. You are probably thinking like I'm thinking, we're going to come here today and we're going to read about victory. And this is the reading we get. And it's an accurate reading because it's just what happened next. But forget everything you know about the story of salvation for a second and think to yourself, if you're the Magi, if you're the Magi, what, what are you thinking right now? Like what are you thinking is happening? We went to go out of our way to visit the king, the king of kings, to worship the king of kings, to offer him gifts. And next thing we know, we hear about, we're on our way home, we hear about the king of kings running for his life, and innocent children are being put to death. And partially because we didn't go and tell Herod, like, they're kind of part of the story. If you're St. Mary and St. Joseph, what's going on in your mind? All the things that have been promised, all the miracles that you've seen, And again, this doesn't seem to make sense. The question we're left to ponder if we're being honest today, again, ignoring the rest of everything that we know, but if we're just in the middle of the story today, the question we're left to ponder, is this the Savior or not? Because it doesn't look like it. From our perspective, when we're reading today's reading, this is a big L for like the good guys. Okay, this is not a W. This is a, like a loss. This does not look good. Okay, this is just awful. Like not good stuff. And yet the church, if we're gonna pay attention to the rest of the readings, the church paints a completely different picture of what's happening today. I told you that we're supposed to come and read about victory, and the church says you did. Didn't like? Did you miss it? Did you miss the victory part? 
the rest of the readings today give us a completely different picture of what, how we're supposed to view today's gospel. We're going to just go uh, back to the Vespers, Psalm, and Gospel. And you guys tell me what the themes seem to be. The Vespers, Psalm, we read, it says, Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples, or all you nations. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. Compare that psalm with what we just read. Jesus fleeing, innocent children dying. And this is the psalm that we're reading. And the church never picks these things like, it's not disconnected, it's always connected. And then that gospel, the Vespers gospel, is about Jesus healing the sick and casting out demons. And it shows like his power and his authority that he wouldn't even allow them to speak. Like he wouldn't allow the demons to speak. Not only, for, there was, it was unheard of that somebody would just go out of their way, like basically in their presence, a demon would come out. That wasn't a thing. But that would happen and he wouldn't even allow them to speak. The man's gospel. The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed. He has girded himself with strength. Surely the world is established so that I cannot be moved. Your throne is established from old. You are from everlasting. And again, we read from the gospel of Luke and God's victory over demons. And it's in both passages that he basically, one, tells them he didn't allow them to speak. And the other passage, he tells them, be quiet. What in the world are we reading today? How is it that we're reading about investors and matters, reading victory, God's salvation is near, God is here, victory, something great is happening. God is so powerful, he has so much authority, he's not even allowing the demons to open their mouth. And then we come to the liturgy gospel, and the liturgy gospel is, he's fleeing, running away from his life, and innocent children are dying. If you actually wanted to summarize the theme of the readings of today, I put down in my notes, God is unstoppable. God is unstoppable. The church wants us to arrive at a conclusion today, based on today's reading, and we'll see how that plays out, is that God is victorious and God is unstoppable. We talked a lot on Christmas night about light in the midst of darkness. Light in the midst of darkness. That's kind of the theme of Christmas night. And what we see today, despite all the crazy stuff that's happening, is we actually see that same theme as well, is light in the midst of darkness, because we have two groups. So how is Christ unstoppable? How is their salvation? How is their victory? Well, there's two groups of people that light is shining in the midst of darkness that is unheard of. And that, the, if you look at like scripture, there's no two worst places in scripture to, like, to a Jewish person. There's no... Two worst places in scripture than Babylon and Egypt. Okay, Babylon and Egypt. Those are the two worst places in scripture. Okay, and if anybody here is from Egypt, congratulations. Okay, Babylon and Egypt, two worst places. In, there's no two worst places in scripture. Complete darkness, and they represent, like St. John Chrysostom tells us, that they represent the entirety of the Gentiles. They represent the entirety of the Gentiles. Babylon and Egypt. Light is shining in Babylon and in Egypt. How? Egypt is easy. The Holy Family is going to Egypt. Christ is going out of his way to go to Egypt. And Babylon is represented by the wise men. The wise men coming to Christ, receiving him as their king, and going back to their land. Almost as like, you know, evangelists in their own home. And that's actually why a lot of the readings today, if you're like, the readings are kind of disjointed or they don't make sense. It's actually a beautiful theme of today. 
Because if you're reading, we read like the, the victory and the triumph, and God is proclaiming his victory in Vespers and Matins. Then we come, and God is still proclaiming his victory. God is shining his light in the midst of complete darkness, Babylon and Egypt. And if you notice the Pauline and the Acts, we're talking about the Gentiles. That was the theme of the Pauline and Acts, because it's that same exact theme. So we have that, that storyline kind of happening. But then we get to the harder storyline, if you're asking me. Like, this is the, the tough one, is the innocent children dying. Like, when we read about the innocent children dying, that's a tough one. And there's not really an easy answer for that one. But all that we read about the innocent children dying, and all the commentaries kind of say the same thing. That these children are considered by many to be the first martyrs and the first witnesses to Christ. Okay? Christ doesn't cause the evil. Christ doesn't cause their death. It's nothing like that. It's because there's evil in the world. Like Herod, out of an evil action, out of his own free will, caused evil. But God takes that evil and says, these innocent children are going to be so highly esteemed. They're, they're receiving something glorious. You, Herod, think that you can stop the work of God because you're going to kill these innocent children? No. That's not how that works. That's not the end of the story. They are given a great reward by being the first martyrs and witnesses to Christ. It doesn't mean that the suffering is gone. It doesn't mean that they didn't experience suffering. But it means that God's light shines through the suffering and overtakes the suffering. This is why St. Matthew, if you're, there's a, a quotation from the Old Testament that St. Matthew quotes today. And he quotes Jeremiah. Um, and it's basically a lament of the death of the children. Okay, and rightfully so. And if you are we're, we're kind of paying attention, it says, uh, a, ver- a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. So he's quoting from Jeremiah 31. And this quote is a lamentation. It's a cry. It's, this is tough. Like we're seeing darkness and, and death, and this is just terrible. And the context, if you go back to Jeremiah, it's about the people living in exile. And the people living in exile, that, that, that's kind of how they're feeling, like in exile, is that everything is being taken from them, including their, even their own children. Then there's a verse after that verse in Jeremiah. So like we read that lamentation, that the people are crying out to God and saying, look God, look at the evil, look at the evil, look at the evil. If you go back to Jeremiah 31 and you read verses 16 and 17 right after that, it says, Restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears. This is God's response. Restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work will be rewarded. There is hope for your future. There is hope for your future. The context for people at the time of Jeremiah living in exile. And God is telling them, don't worry, there's hope. You're actually going to come back to the land. Don't worry. The context for the innocent children, God is saying, this land is temporary. Don't worry, you're going to go to another promised land. And it's a reminder for us that, again, we're all here temporarily. Why I'm kind of trying to paint the picture today is because when we read today's reading, we might have a lot of questions. Like, I have a lot of questions when we're reading today's readings. How do we go from Christmas night, joyous occasion, festive occasion, best occasion, to this? And it kind of shows us this is kind of life, right? Like when we left here on Christmas night, nobody said, great, all my problems are gone now. 
Like that doesn't happen. The message for me and you today is this. First, is that God is with us in our suffering. He's present in our suffering. But second, and what I really want to focus on today, especially as the church is giving us these readings, is God is unstoppable. God is unstoppable. And by extension, so are his children. God is unstoppable, and by by extension, so are his children. It doesn't mean there's no suffering. But it means that this world doesn't have the final say. That this isn't the end. Think about it this way. A powerful king who lives in a palace and has great wealth extends that wealth and that power to who? His children. Like, just common sense. Like, what is he going to do with, like, assuming a lot of kings, I guess, were corrupt, but assuming they're not a corrupt king, what are they going to do? What, what else could they do? You, in your own home, you have resources and you have great things and you have like food and water and shelter and thank God, okay, all things are good. Who are you going to extend that stuff to? Parents, who are you going to extend that stuff to? Just you're going to take it for yourself? Throw your children on the street? Let me know because then we have, we have to call the cops, okay? But like, like, who are you going to extend that to? It's your children. God is the same with us. The reading of today, the application for me and you, is that we need to retrain our minds in how we see things. Because on the surface today looks like defeat. On the surface today looks a blowout loss. For the, for the, like the enemy crushed us today. But God is saying to me and you today, and the church is telling us today, how can you not see the victory? It's like right in front of you. Don't you see it? How could you miss it? Don't you know who your God is? Like God is unstoppable. That's what we say about God. Like God is the God of gods. There's nothing that can stop God. I think sometimes, and I'll speak for myself, when we have problems in our lives or when we're suffering in a specific way, it's easy. It's so easy to focus here and focus on the problem and not to take our eyes up to God. And if I focus here, I feel defeated. If I focus here, I've lost. But if I lift my eyes up, I say, God, this isn't the end. You'll get, you'll get us through whatever. You'll get us through whatever. In this life or in the life after whatever, you'll get us through whatever. That is the mentality of what God wants in his children, is to realize the power that he has, that he is unstoppable, and by extension, so are his children. St. John Chrysostom tells us, <clears throat> his commentary on today's passage, He says, you yourself need not be troubled if you are suffering countless dangers. This is is the part that applies to me and you. Do not expect to be celebrated or crowned promptly for your troubles. Instead, you may keep in mind the long-suffering example of the mother, child, St. Mary, bearing all things nobly, knowing that such a fugitive life is consistent with the ordering of spiritual things. We don't want to hear that, okay? St. John is saying... It is consistent. It is to be expected that there will be suffering in this world. It is consistent with the spiritual things. He's saying the mother Mary bore that suffering. She lived a life of a fugitive nobly. He's saying that's what me and you are supposed to do. And he talks about the Magi doing the same thing. They were both willing to retire secretly in the humiliating role of being a fugitive. What he's telling us is that what they experience today, we look at them like, whoa, how can God allow this to happen? <clears throat> and he's saying this is part of the spiritual journey. 
This is part of what happens in life. Because this isn't the end. This is a temporary place. You may see suffering in the world today. You may experience suffering in the world today. But the reminder for us is that God is unstoppable. That God is unstoppable. That he is victorious. That he's going to save. He's going to redeem. He's going to reward. But he is unstoppable. No matter what's going on, God is unstoppable. Our challenge is to stay close to him. Is to trust in him. Is to not rely only on our physical senses and what we see and what makes sense in our, in our minds. But to really rely on the truth. That he is unstoppable. If evil could stop the work of God, the, salva- the story of salvation would have ended a long time ago. There were a lot of things that are in the way. There were so many things that were in the way. But God is unstoppable. This isn't the end. God is going to continue to work. And God is working. No matter what's going on in my life and in your life. So while today's passage seems so out of left field. We're reading today and we're still celebrating somehow Christmas. And holy families fleeing. Innocent children are dying. And we're like, what in the world is going on? God is saying, everything is right where I want it to be. Just relax. I'm not saying I cause the evil, but no evil is going to conquer, is going to be greater than my plan. No evil is ever going to be greater than my plan. I pray, and I hope we all pray together today, that God renews this mindset in us, that he's unstoppable. That nothing, 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 nothing in this world, and no one in this world, not Herod in, in, in the story today, or any circumstance or anything like that, is ever going to get in the way of that. That he is unstoppable and his children, as St. John told us today, that we are his children. So by extension, we are also unstoppable. And glory be to God forever. Amen.